And welcome to the Speaking For Him podcast. We're back with a fresh new episode. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. This is Andrew, and I'm here again, uh, once again, with another edition of the Speaking For Him roundtable. And today, we are going to be talking about the issue of evangelism. And I think there's some very uh, key things that are worth discussing on this topic and I hope that as we develop it, it will be beneficial to all of our listeners and that it will encourage us in our endeavors to continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. But before we go very far into our discussion and introduce today's guest, I'd like Adam McNutt to share with us our quote of the day. It says here, if you alter or obscure the biblical portrait of God in order to attract converts, you don't get converts to God. You get converts to an illusion. This is not evangelism, but deception. Our quote of the day comes from John Piper right there. Okay, and the reason that I mention this is because I feel like in our Western culture and in the U.S. in particular, we're very good at what we consider evangelism. Uh, we, we, tr- we go out and we share the gospel and we try to get as many people saved as possible, and we write the names in our ledger sometimes, and we rejoice over X number of people uh, being converted in a given day or a given week, depending on our evangelistic outreach. And then a lot of times it seems like, to me, that's where it ends, and we kind of call it good. And I think that there are some issues with that, and that's why I brought up this quote, because I think a lot of, Pastors, even ones that supposedly are from mainline denominations today, are all about the numbers. And if they don't get a lot of people in, then they tone down their message so they can fill the seats. But if you're not telling the whole truth, you're telling a lie because a partial truth is a whole lie. And so we want to talk about truth in the context of evangelism today. And that's why I chose this quote. And with that, I want to bring in today's guest. Um, His name is Mike Donahue. Uh, He is very active in evangelism. uh, uh, And his church, Northwest Gospel Hall, is affiliated slightly with my church, Grace and Truth Christian Fellowship, both out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, how's it going? I'm very grateful that you could be here. Um, Before we launch uh, in our into our discussion full force and adam feel free to participate as we go absolutely um i wanted to just read a dictionary definition for evangelism this is from the from dictionary.com so it's not any big name dictionary or anything like that but it says the preaching or promulgation of the gospel the work of an evangelism evangelist and then um It says, missionary zeal, purpose, or activity. And uh, so I just want to read a couple verses, uh, which will hopefully give a little bit of a framework uh, to our discussion today. And the first one is Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then we have Paul's words to Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exhort 
with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelism, evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And then finally, um, Acts 2.37 and 38. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So before we uh, really start unpacking this, Mike, could you give us a little bit a uh, brief synopsis of your testimony and how you came to know the Lord? Yeah. Well, uh, I like to tell people whenever they're like, well, how would you get saved? I say, well, I believe the gospel. <laughs> um, so I, 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 one of the reasons I got saved, I trusted in Christ, was because of the example of my parents. You know, pe- people sometimes say, say, well, you're just a Christian because your parents are Christians. I say, yeah, I am. They're a great example. If they were a bunch of hypocrites, I wouldn't be a Christian. So uh, that's definitely had a lot to do with it. Also, uh, the church that I went to, there were a lot of really loving and caring people, and um, they made Christianity very attractive to me. So I, at a pretty young age, I repented and believed the gospel. I had a time uh, later where I, I was really doubting things, doubting God's existence even, doubting whether or not I could believe all this stuff, and really just by comparing my unsaved friends, people that were uh, getting into bad stuff, and then comparing the Christians that really cared about me, even though I treated them like garbage sometimes, I thought, man, this doesn't make sense. These people really care. They really There's something going on there, and I want what they have. And I also read uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and that had a really big impact on me. All right, and we will definitely link um, information on that book to the blog for this podcast episode, so make sure that you uh, surf on over to speakingforhim.blogspot.com to get information on how you can uh, purchase the book or even maybe look it up at your local library. I think some libraries have that. Don't know how much longer libraries here will carry good, solid Christian books like that, but if it's at your library... Uh, Be thankful and pick it up. All right, as we get into this um, discussion about evangelism, I wanted you to talk a little bit about Good News on the Move. First of all, what it is, and a little bit about your experience. Yeah, um, well, uh, let's say I was about 20 years old um, in 2005, and I had recently rededicated my life to Christ. I had, like I said, gone through this doubting period, and really made a big turn and I wanted to get serious and there was a guy from our uh, church named J.B. Nicholson and he was starting a program for training uh, evangelists, training people in evangelism and I thought, man, there's no way I can do this. This is like for super spiritual people and <laughs> I'm not one of them. But I, I, I and my cousin, John Mark, went and asked him if if we we if it would be okay, and he he was all excited and said, "Yeah, go for it." So it was actually uh, totally paid for. We didn't have to raise money or anything. It was really a neat program. 
We had to travel all around the country, visit small churches, and help them in evangelism. So we basically did whatever the church wanted us to do as far as uh, the different kinds of evangelism. So some churches were trying to get their kids' club going, or maybe they wanted to do a door-to-door outreach and let people know about a Bible study or about special meetings they were having, just different types of stuff like that. So we did a lot of different kinds of evangelism over that year. And I actually did that for two years and then also was involved in a Canadian counterpart ministry called Cross Canada Cruisers. And that one was un- that one is unique in the fact that they they traveled in classic cars. And yeah. that was one way that they used to start conversations about the gospel. And actually uh, Mike did a presentation for um, one of our uh, church uh, suppers last summer using a classic car as an example. And I think it's a very good example because a lot of people like cars, and so it's it's a great starting point for a good discussion. Uh, do you have a particular uh, story that you could share with us that sticks out from your experience? Uh, yeah. Um, one I was thinking of was... Um, we were in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which isn't the biggest city in the Midwest. It's maybe, I don't know, 200,000 people or something like that. The, the downtown area is not exactly metro. You know, it's, it's got, you know, buildings and stuff, but it's not like, you know, you're in Times Square or anything. So anyways, mm-hmm. we had this big outreach going there, and we, all these people were invited to come. And so some people want to do open-air preaching. And I'm like, you know, I like going doing open-air preaching. I love it. You know, getting the, we have a little board. We kind of do the open air campaigner style thing, and it's a lot of fun. And you get a little crowd. I like doing it in bigger cities. But there, I was like, you know, there's really no one downtown. But some people wanted to do it. They're like, come on, Mike, can you lead this group? And I was like, okay, you know, sure, why not? So we're doing this open air preaching on the sidewalk. We get like, you know, one person would stand and just stare at us like we were crazy, and then walk off. <laughs> so I'm down there, oh, you know, preaching to the pavement. And at one point, I turn around, and there's this guy, and he's like, you know, six foot two, probably weighs 250 pounds. He's got a buzz cut. He's got giant mutton chops, tattoo, <laughs> shirt cut off, you know, the biker type. No intimidation there, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, but the thing was, he was crying. And I was like, why is this guy crying? This is kind of awkward, you know? So I'm preaching, and he's crying, and I'm like, you know what? He's the only guy listening. I might as well go talk to him. <laughs> so <laughs> I walk up to this guy. And he said, you know what? He said, you're like the third or fourth person that's been sharing the gospel out here. And it was we had different people in our group that have, groups that have been going around downtown. And he, he said, man, I, I know I need this. I need to get saved. I need to get right with God. And it was really amazing. We talked to this guy. We were having some special gospel meetings. We invited him out. He came. He got in touch with Larry Sachs, the guy that was kind of uh, the local guy who was directing the whole outreach and, and starting a church there. And... Larry actually ended up doing Bible studies with this guy every day. He was an alcoholic, and Larry helped him get out of that through just doing Bible studies with him every single day. And now Bob is one of like the best evangelists in their church. He goes around downtown handing out tracts and witnessing all types of people. So really neat story. Cool. Well, and it just kind of shows you that God's God's plans are not our plans. You know, mm-hmm. you, you look at, at that place and you say, well, it's not a big city. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's not going to be a huge response, uh, but even one uh, person is worth it. Mm-hmm. 
because because God cares about each individual person, not just groups of people. Right. And it kind of reminds me of the story of D.L. Moody because he went to a church service and there it was a I, from what I understand, and and this could be not a hundred percent correct, but from what I understand, he went to a church service. It was dead winter and. Not very many people got out to the church service, and the pastor wasn't even there. Uh, but a deacon who didn't feel like he could really very well speak got up to speak, and because he said the few people that were there, he didn't want to waste their time and have them just sent home. And he preached a small sermon, and D.L. Moody. Uh, came to know the Lord, and he later became a great evangelist responsible for bringing thousands of souls into the kingdom. And so you never know what kind of impact leading one person to Christ is going to have. Hmm. And so I think that that story from Mike was another good reminder. Before we go any further, Adam, did you have any questions? Um, boy. I wouldn't know how to top that after that story <laughs> with anything. But uh, there was one thing I picked up on that was kind of interesting when we started talking about how your story started, just about how you said, you know, we're not super spiritual people. Should we do this? And isn't that true how we shortchange ourselves so much like that? But God sees us with so much potential of what mm-hmm. we could do. You know, it doesn't call the qualified. Mm-hmm. It qualifies the called. So I yeah. thought that was a really interesting point. And I see how God's used you now nine years later. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show how, like, Andrew said, God's ways and not our ways. So mm-hmm. um, not shortchanging yourself, I think, is a message we all need to hear sometimes. Yeah, so that's sure. that's very good. Yeah, I really like that verse that you, you quoted in the beginning from Ephesians 4, because I always hear people say, you know, whenever I'm talking about evangelism at a church or an, I had an evangelism club, I went to Kuiper College, and people would always say, oh, that sounds really cool, but, you know, that's not my gift, you know, and... It, we we use that as an excuse, but Jesus said to everyone, "You will be my witnesses." Well, not and it, to, and it, just a select few. And it's interesting that that Timothy, although he was a preacher, he is never specifically singled out as an evangelist. Yet Paul says to him, "Do the work mm-hmm. of an evangelist." So I think the work of an evangelist is something that we all need to be exercised in and filter through our own giftings, um, and so. I definitely agree with you that that saying that it's not our gift is not a very good uh, excuse because the way I look at spiritual gifts is we may have one or two that are prominent mm-hmm. in the way that God made us, but we're supposed to endeavor to at least to a certain extent to exercise the, as many of them as we can mm-hmm. because they're all about Christian virtue. They're all about doing God's will. And that's what every Christian should be endeavoring to do. So, any additional thoughts along those lines? The only thing I think of in Ephesians uh, 4, the interesting thing is that all the different gifts listed there are for the edification of the church, which is unto the work of the ministry. So it's actually the church that is supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. The gifted people listed there in Ephesians 4 are for the building up of the church so that they can go do the ministry. So I feel really mm. like guys like Ray Comfort, who's a real true evangelist, he, one of his main ministries is equipping Christians to be able to go out and witness. Not just saying, I'm going to do it all, right? but training other people mm-hmm. uh, to be 
to be effective as well. And, uh, and I'm going to get into this on a future podcast about the issue of legalism, but I'm just going to say here that a lot of times with these ministries, we rely on one person to be the head of said ministry, whatever it might be, and the focus is on them. And then when they prove to be imperfect, we throw everything out mm. because we we separate uh, the teacher from the truths that they teach, mm. or we do, or we don't separate the teacher from the truths they they preach. Unfortunately, we we put them on equal footing, and so if the teacher fails, the truth must be wrong. And I I will elaborate on that uh, more in a future episode. But I just wanted to put that out there that that it's the responsibility of all of us to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, and to do so in a way that is uncompromising. It's so easy uh, to compromise the gospel in a, in a way to make it seem softer. We talk a lot about how God is love, and I believe it because it's in the Bible that God is love. But we also know that God is just. We know that God is holy. And... Uh, so th- those things all have to be true. Not one, no one of them is above the other. Hmm. One particular thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about um, is just to ask you this question, Mike, and get your feedback on it. Um, and that is, how do you think we're doing in Western culture? What are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? What are your general thoughts about as far as far as evangelism, as far as evangelism, mm-hmm. yeah. I was gonna say that's a pretty broad question. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. But um, I think, from my experiences, like uh, being on Good News on the Move and on Cross Canada Cruisers, I've had the opportunity to travel. I think now to forty-four states and uh, a couple provinces in Canada, mostly around Ontario. But I see. Um, a lot of churches doing some good uh, evangelistic type of ministries, um, seeing some real uh, good fruit from uh, home Bible studies, things like uh, the Alpha Course or Christianity Explored, and there's other different types of Bible studies people have done. Just that's that's been a real good thing. Um, also, people doing evangelism training courses like. Uh, Like I mentioned, Ray Comfort uh, and the Living Waters Ministry, that's a really quality uh, way of of learning about evangelism. He has a really thorough uh, evangelism training DVD set you can get, and I know different people have done that, and it it does help a lot to to be able to get some training before you go out. Um, Also, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has done um, a lot of... uh, uh, home Bible study things recently, their last big outreach was focused on um, people starting home Bible studies. So I think that's probably one of the the forefronts of evangelism right now, something that's going on that's very good. Um, but, you know, there's always problems. Probably the biggest problem for evangelism is that uh, someone said the great omission, or the great commission has become the great omission. And people are just kind of apathetic about it for different reasons. Some people just say, oh, well, you know, the elect will get saved, and so just whatever. As long as me and my kids are saved, then we're good. Or people will say, um, you know, we just we just need to live it. I don't really need to share 
anything with anyone. I don't need to have this like evangelistic conversation. I just need to be a good witness to them through my life. And then, you know, eventually they're going to, you know, figure it out on their own. (laughs) I don't, I just think that's kind of crazy. It's like, do I really think I'm going to be a good enough testimony by my life so that someone's going to understand the significance of Christ's death and resurrection? And he told his disciples to go out and preach it. You got to preach it. You got to tell people. Um, so people just we just come up with excuses, and that's probably the biggest problem I think in um, in America or in North America. I, I do agree with that for the most part. I will say this though that when you when you are living your Christian life, when you when you're living it out loud, mm-hmm. uh, when you're dealing with particular issues and 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 certain issues come up. And people ask you how you believe on a certain issue, mm-hmm. like, for instance, the issue of the sanctity of human life or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then those are um, those are custom, you know, those are custom right. made opportunities to say, this is what I believe yeah. and this is why I believe it. Not just I'm pro-life, but I'm right. pro-life because I believe exactly, yeah. that that the creator mm-hmm. of the universe created us in the in his own image and that we have a responsibility to protect uh, that life and to to serve the one that created us. So I do think that you're right that we do need to preach it, but I also think we need to be looking for those opportunities. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, to for sure. Bring bring those into everyday life mm-hmm. because everyday life does not stop when we become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us may be called to go and uh, go to the farthest corners of the world and and spend the majority of their life preaching but we're not all going to be called to that but we are all called to be lights in the corners of the world in which we find ourselves mm-hmm. and, and even I, yeah and even the people that are called to that the ones i've talked to they're often their best testimonies when it's just in the everyday circumstances and when they're dealing with other people and i know for mike one of the things that he wants to do is he's working on a master's degree in education so that he can teach and mm-hmm. he you want to teach in mississippi is yes that yes that's the plan yeah and uh, i've no heard snow down there that's good <laughs> no snow down there well, it's been pretty cold down there this year <laughs> i think it's been cold everywhere they said there's been uh 49 out of the 50 states have seen snow wow and i think we yeah. know what the 50th one is that would be probably be hawaii <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway that's a from what I hear from people that have already been in Mississippi. That's a pretty depressed and needy area, mm-hmm. right within the United States of America, yeah. where a lot of people need the Lord. Uh, and I've heard that for a lot of them, they have a form of godliness because they kind of live in a Bible Beltish type area, but they don't necessarily know the one who wrote the word, even if they do know the words. Mm. So uh, we will definitely be praying for you as yeah. you endeavor Absolutely. to do that. Especially um, if your goal is to work in the public schools, Mm -hmm. then that's going to be a a challenge. Well, I just had one final thing that I kind of wanted to discuss because it's something I've been thinking a lot about. And that is, um, what are your thoughts on the sinner's prayer and evangelism? And the reason I bring this up is because I've been in missions, Mm -hmm. rescue missions and been to summer camps and been to many different things where the uh, the evangelist will preach, he'll give the gospel, and then he will, well, first of all, we kind of give the gospel sometimes like everything's going to be roses after you accept mm. Christ. 
um, because he's going to put everything in order and you're never going to have any trouble after you're saved. And, you know, I newsflash to everyone out there, if you're thinking that, it's not true. Right. God is with you through the trials, but the trials might even get worse, especially since we live in a country and a world that is becoming progressively more anti-God. But another thing that we do is we have the sinner's prayer, which I know is well-intentioned, where we pray with people and we tell them to pray after us and receive salvation. Now, some people do receive salvation this way, so I don't want to totally discount it, but there's a there's an evangelist preacher by the name of Paul Washer mm. yeah, who that. I heard a message by him where he said that he believes that the sinner's prayer sends more people to hell than we realize. Wow. Because people think that because they say the words, that makes them saved. Um, do you have any thoughts on this issue? And do you, have you used the sinner's prayer? Well, I did when I got saved. <laughs> I, I, I repeated a prayer after my dad, and I, I knew what I was doing. I, uh, it'd been, I'd been under conviction. I was only seven years old, but I knew I was a sinner. I knew uh, I was really under the wrath of God, and I felt like I need to choose between Jesus or the devil. And I knew Christ had died for my sins, and I knew he'd r risen again, and I had to trust him. And so I was like, I need to get saved, Dad, and what do I do? And he said, well, repeat after me. And so I did, and I believe that. I look back at that time, and that's when I got saved. And I never doubted my salvation after that. I doubted whether or not God existed, but I never doubted whether or not <laughs> I was saved, which is kind of funny. But um, I personally don't use a sinner's prayer with people because, yeah, I think you're right that so often people don't really understand what's going on. And so it's just kind of used to this form that we bring people through and we think, well, they did the faith form. That's what my, one of my friends calls it. So he said the churches that do the sprinkle thing, the sprinkle form, <laughs> you know, oh, they did the sprinkle form. They're good, you know. Right. And then these people, oh, they did the faith form. They came forward and said a prayer and now they're good. And it's, it's so much of a formality. You know, I talked to one of my uh, friends I was witnessing to. We had a Bible study going. He had some issues to work through, but he kept telling me, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved. And I said, well, you know, I really hope you are, man, but, you know, your life doesn't show it. And I'm not sure you, from doing this Bible study with you that you really even understand the gospel. You know, I had asked him if he deserves to go to hell, and he had said no, and things like that. You know, it didn't seem like he really was getting it. And he said, no, I'm saved, I'm saved. He said, I went forward, and I repeated the prayer, and the pastor even laid his hand on my head. <laughs> and I was like, well, that settles it, you know. Right. But it was so sad because some religious person had brought him through this formality and told him, you know, you're good, man, you're saved. And he obviously wasn't. He didn't understand it. So it was really unfortunate. And I've seen that so many times. And I, a lot with parents, well, with their kids, you know, they get them to say this prayer. And then their parents tell themselves, oh, yeah, the kid's saved. You know, I don't have to worry about the kid going to hell. And the kid never really understands the gospel. And they grow up. And I, I've, I've been at churches where I've tried to witness to kids and had their parents come along and say, oh, you don't need to witness to them. They're already saved. And I'm like, well, from talking to your kid, it doesn't sound like they are. You know, I don't want to be rude or be a jerk about it. But it's, yeah, I think it's a very dangerous thing. I don't use it. And, like, a big thing for me has been, like, I've always believed and I still believe in, in the ultimate security of the believer. Yeah. Once you accept Christ as your personal Savior, he says, 
him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And so this explanation of people repeating a prayer but not understanding the significance of it could very well explain the the people that supposedly uh, fall away from the faith. Perhaps they were not even in the faith Mm. to begin with. I think John says in 1 John, they went out from us because they were not of us. And so that makes me think, and also um, just before I toss it back to you for more feedback, I just wanted to repeat this verse from Acts that I read earlier. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, one thing that I noticed right away from this passage is Peter does not preach the gospel and then say, who wants to come forward and be saved? These people that he's preaching to are so convicted by the simple preaching of the word that they mm-hmm. come to him and say, what must I do? Right. And I think we need to pray for more of that. Yeah. Not that we should never ask people if they want to be saved, but we need to, we need to be more focused on that, that the Spirit would move people to ask to be saved. Because then you know that it's real, you know that they, they're really coming to it on their own, and you're not forcing their hand. Mm-hmm. And like I was just reading earlier, Matthew 13, you have the parable of the sower, and there's going to be false converts. You know, There's going to be people that they fall on the stony ground, they spring up, and then they fall away, they dry out because of persecution, or people that fall on the, on the thorny ground, they ch- get choked out because of the cares of the world. But it, it's interesting, in Matthew... Thirteen, twenty-three, where he says, But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. And that's absolutely key, that these people have an understanding of the gospel and they know what they're doing. And, yeah, we so often people rush it and try to get them to go through this formality, but they've never really understood the gospel. And I think when we preach it in a way that gives them clarity in their thinking and they've really had to think it through, and also praying that the Holy Spirit will work on their heart and convict them and bring them to an understanding of the gospel, that's when true conversions happen, not when we we want to rush in and get you know, numbers on our belt. I remember one story was uh, we were doing this outreach. It was down in uh, North Carolina, and we were, it was around Christmas time. We were given all these presents and with this other organization, and so... This lady, all these people were in this room waiting to get these presents. And this lady was going around. She had these little tracks, and she was getting people to read through these tracks and then getting them to recite this prayer. She was, like, super high-powered, really emotional, and just going around chair to chair. And these people are waiting to get all these presents, you know. And they're kind of probably thinking, well, i got to do what she says if I want the presents. <laughs> right. And so she comes up to us later. She's like, oh, yeah, 78 people trusted Christ today, you know. I'm just like... Really? Did they really do that? Or did you just coerce them to say a prayer? You know, it's it was so ridiculous. I just thought, man, it's kind of it was just sad really. And I and I do want to emphasize we're we're not talking about arriving at a place of, you know, perfection uh before you get saved. Uh, goodness knows that I was not perfect and still I'm not perfect. Uh but what we are saying is that we need to be yielded in our hearts to God to acknowledge that we've made a mess of our lives and Mm -hmm. that we can't put it back together again. There's nothing in us as much as we would like to think there is 
that will allow us to put life back together again. So what is the answer? The answer is that Jesus Christ lived, um, came to this earth as a baby, for which we celebrate every Christmas, lived 33 sinless years on this earth, died on a Roman cross, was buried in the tomb for three days, and rose again, victorious over sin and death. That is the gospel. And if we accept the gospel and we cry out to God, he will come in and he will change us. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1 that he which hath begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And it is our hope on the Speaking for Him podcast that you will get to know the Him for whom this ministry is um, is representative, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, before we go, Mike, do you have any final thoughts? Well, I would say if you're interested in doing evangelism, the first thing place to start would be praying for opportunities. And I always find that when I pray for opportunities to share the gospel, the Lord always presents them. And if I try to force it, if I try to be like, oh, i got to go witness now, and I haven't really prayed, it's awkward, it doesn't work often. And when I'm praying that God will bring someone across my path and I can share the gospel with, he always answers that prayer. Most of the time, the people bring, bring it up to me. Like, it's amazing. I remember being at work one time. Uh, I was working at a factory, and uh, I was in the lunchroom, and some guys were talking about, like, evolution or something, and they just turned to me, and they're like, you know, Mike, wh- what do you think about this? And I had a, <laughs> you know, off opportunity. I had just been praying. Another day, I was at work, and my friend came up to me and goes, you know, Mike, I'm a Catholic, but I want to get born again. How do I do that? <laughs> and I was like, where is this coming from? And I talked to my wife, and she said, I got home and she said, did you have any opportunities to share the gospel with anyone today? And I said, yeah, I did. I was one of the best ever. And she's like, well, I just was praying for you this morning that you'd have a chance to share the gospel. So, you know, just the Lord answering these prayers. So we've got to see the work of the Holy Spirit. That's, I'm absolutely convinced of that. If, if we're going to see any success in evangelism, the Holy Spirit has to be at work. We have to be praying for these opportunities and be walking with the Lord, like you are saying, be walking uh, in line with his truth and God will present all types of opportunities for us. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for coming in. Uh, I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that in the next uh, few weeks we can hopefully schedule a time to uh, get together again to talk because I'd like to further develop um, the issue of discipleship because I think sometimes evangelism and discipleship Mm. get lumped together. And I think the evangelism we're pretty strong on, but the discipleship... Um, there's a lot of things we could discuss as far as that goes. But we will end here. I hope that this has been encouraging to you. Uh, this is the Speaking for Him podcast. I am your host, Andrew Gomison, and your executive producer is Adam McNutt. Have a great weekend, everybody, and keep serving the best of masses.